What's up, everybody? Welcome to Building Our Power. This is Gabby. Back with another episode. Back with another reading of Blood in My Eye. Um, KT is fine. I know she ain't been here in a minute, but no, she's fine. Uh, she's just been working hard, doing her thing. So, I've been holding down the fort for a minute. Um, but yeah, we all doing good over here. If you would like to donate to the work we're doing in the community, you can do so. Links in the description. All that good stuff. All that good jazz. We are going to go back where we left off, which is... After the revolution has failed, after the killing is done, the ruling class goes on about the business of making profits as usual. Okay, we're on 117. It says, on withdrawal, syllogism, noun, argument with two premises and a conclusion, a logical scheme of a formal argument consisting of a major and minor premise and a conclusion, which must logically be true if the premises are true. Merriam-Webster. After the revolution has failed, all questions must center on how a new revolutionary consciousness can be mobilized around a new set of class antagonisms that have been created by the authoritarian reign of terror. At which level of social, political, and economic life should we begin our new attack? First, we, the black partisans and their vanguard party, the old and new left alike, must concede that the workers' revolution and its vanguard parties have failed to deliver the promised changes in the property relations of any of the institutions that support them. This must be conceded without bitterness, name-calling, or the intense rancor that is presently building. There have been two depressions, two great wars, a dozen serious recessions, a dozen brush wars, Crisis after economic crisis, the mass psychosocial national cohesiveness has trembled on the brink of disruption and disintegration repeatedly over the last 50 years, threatening to fly apart from its own concentric inner dynamics. But at each crisis, it was, it was allowed to reform itself. With each reform, revolution became more remote. This is because the old left has failed to understand the true nature of fascism. We will never have a complete definition of fascism because it is in constant motion, showing a new face to fit any particular set of problems that arise to threaten the predominance of the traditionalist capitalist ruling class. But if one were forced for the sake of clarity to define it in a word simple enough for all to understand, that word would be reform. We can make our definition more precise by adding the word economic. Economic reform comes very close to a working definition of fascist motor forces. Such a definition may serve to clarify things, even though it leaves a great deal unexplained. Each economic reform that perpetuates ruling class hegemony has to be disguised as a positive gain for the upthrusting masses. Disguise enters as a third stage of the emergence and development of the fascist state. The modern industrial fascist state has found it essential to disguise the opulence of its ruling class leisure's existence by providing the lower class with a mass consumer's flea market of its own. To allow a sizable portion of the new state to participate in this flea market, the ruling class has established currency controls and minimum wage laws that mask the true nature of modern fascism. Reform, the closed economy, is only a new way for capitalism to protect and develop fascism. I'm going to stop right there. I'm going to stop right there and just let people sit and ponder on that. Let's, let's just sit and let you ponder. Because, again, 
This is stuff that George Jackson was talking about in the 70s. This is stuff we're talking about now. All that reform, all that go to the polls and vote so we can get some type of reform, so we can raise the minimum wage, so that we can provide a social safety net. All that stuff, even though it's getting fought against by the Republicans, because that's their stick. You know, that's just that's their stick. That's the role they play. That's the role they'll always play in the game. But even if that stuff gets passed, it's passed for a reason. It's passed to keep us at bay, to keep us lulled away. Remember, what happened during the height of COVID? People were starting to get upset. People were starting to get, people were losing their jobs. People didn't have a way to pay bills. People didn't have a way to do a lot of things. We got the stimulus checks to keep the economy rolling, you know. Also, the, 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 the student loans and stuff were put on pause. A lot of people didn't have to pay bills on certain things. And these are things that the government put into effect just long enough. So that when the brewing, the little brewing thing y'all was doing with the little protests and stuff like that, you got money now. Just sit down, go buy stuff. You know, that's all y'all need. Y'all hungry, go eat a Reese's, go eat a Snickers, go buy you a shirt, go buy some Jordans, and then go back. Go back to work. All of these things are put in place for reasons. This government right here, I can't speak about nobody else. This government right here don't do nothing because it cares. It does it because it serves a benefit in this fascist capitalist model. And right now, that is to keep us at bay. All them reforms, the raising of the taxes, the body cams, the uh, mandatory, mandatory minimum, the the all these little things they put out here, the progressives put out here to have people go to the polls and spend all that money and time canvassing is literally made to keep us oppressed. Hey, hey, George Jackson said it. Maybe now y'all, maybe now y'all are listening. Okay, back to the reading. After the German SS agents or Italian black shirts kick in the doors and herd Jews and communist partisans to death camps. After Peg Lee's white bay black legion terror and the guardians of the republic and their offspring legitimized the FBI. In other words, after the fascists have succeeded in crushing the vanguard elements and the threat they pose is removed, the ruling class goes on about the business of making profits as usual. The significance of the new fascist arrangement lies in the fact that the business as usual is accompanied by concessions to the degenerate segment of the working class. Hmm. With the aim of creating a buffer zone between ruling class and the still potentially revolutionary segments of the lower classes. Corporative ideals have reached their logical conclusion in the U.S. The new corporate state has fought its way through, the cri- through crisis after crisis, established its ruling elites in every important institution, formed its partnerships with labor through its elites, erected the most massive network of protective agencies replete with spies, technical and animal, to be found in any police state in the world. The violence of the ruling class of the of this country in the long process of its trend toward authoritarianism and its last and highest state, fascism, cannot be rivaled in its excess by any other nation on earth today or in history. 
With each advancement in the authoritarian process and strengthening of the ruling class's control over the system, there was a corresponding weakening of the people's and workers' movements. And intellectuals still argue whether America is a fascist country. This concern is typical for the American left's flight from reality from any true extreme position. Mm -hmm. This is actually a manifestation of the authoritarian process seeping into its own psyche. At this stage, how can anyone question the existence of a fascist arrangement? Just consider the awesome centralization of power and the proven fact that the largest part of the gross national product is in the hands of a minute portion of the population. Okay, so, yeah, this is getting good. Okay, when he talks about creating that buffer, ooh, creating that buffer. Oh, Lord knows we got a buffer. And that buffer... Is is made to to keep you know, the radicals, the 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 uh, ridiculous people, the wild folks, at bay, and and give concessions just enough so people can say, well, things aren't that bad. There's no reason to tear nothing down. The police do good stuff. There's no reason for the destruction of capitalism. How else am I gonna be able to retire? My job is pretty good. Yes, I haven't got a raise in 10 years, but at least my boss doesn't treat me like shit. These are the people. These are the people that we have to fight against, sometimes physically, in order to get to the folks who is, who is running this stuff. These are your politicians. These are your teachers. These are your quote-unquote community leaders. These are your pastors. These are your coworkers. These are your family members. They have been caught up in the sauce. They drinking the Kool-Aid. They love it. They love the flavor. And uh, they continue to be fed by this. Oh, the nonprofit industrial complex. That is their number one goal. That's what they do. Oh, we don't have to destroy capitalism. We have organizations. Y'all ain't in the streets organizing. We organizing. Yeah, you can be in the streets every damn day. Giving out all this stuff, doing this, doing that, because a Ford, because a Bezos is giving you money to do so. This ain't by your own accord. <sighs> but yes, yes. And I like how it talks about that because like during this time, the 70s, that's when, that's when this stuff really started getting into gear. Like, the establishment was like, oh, yeah, they think they're going to do these protests and every single marginalized group is going to have a damn revolution, liberation stuff. No. The gay movement, we're going to figure out how to get up in that. The the um, disabled community, we're going to figure out a way to liberalize that. Black liberation is already starting to be liberalized now. And they just kept going until now, like I said, they got it to a damn science. But you see, dude was peeping that already. And we still, this book has been here forever, and folks still looking looking shocked. Still don't understand. I, it just, it irks me. All right. And then he talked about how some of the leftists don't want to call American fascists because it's just too extreme. You know, well, I wouldn't say it's all the way fascist. I feel like that's a hyperbole. Why are you, why are you trying to skedaddle around this stuff? Are you about this or not? Why are you trying to spur the feelings of this murderous-ass, racist-ass state? It's fascist. 
I'm sorry that makes you look bad. I don't I don't know what that is about. I, it just gives unseriousness to me. Um, okay. It says, of course, the revolution has failed. Fascism has temporarily succeeded under the guise of reform. The only way we can destroy it is to refuse to compromise with the enemy state and its ruling class. Compromises were made in the 30s, the 40s, the 50s. The old vanguard parties made gross strategic and tactical errors. At this existential moment, the last revelation about oneself, not many members of the old vanguard choose to risk their whole futures their lives, in order to alter the conditions that Huey P. Newton describes as destructive of life. Reformism was allowed. The more degenerate elements of the working class were the first to succumb. The Vanguard Party supported the capitalist war adventure in World War II. Then they helped to promote the mass consumers market that followed the close of the war. The flea market that muted the workers' more genuine demands. Today we are faced with a clearly different set of class antagonisms. The complexity of a particularly refined fascist economy arrangement, where the controlling elites have co-opted large portions of the lowly working class. When we ask ourselves, where will we attack the enemy state? We are answered. At the productive point, the next logical question is, with whom and what will we attack the fortified entrance of the productive and distributive system in a nation of short-sighted, contended, conservative workers? Obviously, the fascist movement is counter-revolution at its very center. Fascist reformism is a calculated response to the classic scientific social approach to revolution through positive mobilization of the working class. From its inception, the fascist arrangement has attempted to create the illusion of a mass society in which the traditional capitalist ruling class would continue to play its leading role. A mass society that is not a mass society. A mass society of authoritarians whose short-term material interests are perfectly suited to the development of the perfect totalitarian state and centralized economy. The most precise definitions of fascism involve the concept of scientific capitalism or control capitalism. A sophisticated totalitarian learned response to the, chal to the challenge of egalitarian scientific socialism. After its successful establishment in Spain, Portugal, Greece, South Africa, and the United States of America, we are faced with the obvious question of how to raise a new consciousness. We are faced with the task of raising a positive mobilization of revolution, revolutionary consciousness in a mass that has gone through a contrapositive authoritarian process. The new vanguard elements seem to agree that with withdrawal from the enemy state and its social, political, and economic life is the first step in destruction. The new vanguard element seems to agree that the new revolutionary consciousness will develop in the struggles of withdrawal. However, after this point, agreement grows vague and is all but lost in a sea of contradiction. The contention turns on one primary question, the scope and range of violence within the revolutionary process. After the lengthy and clearly unnecessary ideological battle that laid to rest, a direct approach to revolution by the white or black worker, we are now faced with an equally unnecessary ideological battle over which of the various communal approaches has the stronger revolutionary validity. 
The problem is compounded by the almost apolitical withdrawal of the growing weatherman faction and their estranged allies on campus to organic food gardens and a life of sex, music, and drugs. Their niches in Hegelian withdrawal mimics the European historical experience of the last five generations. In our equation, this must be considered the minor side of syllogism. Though revolution is in fashion, the realistic, cohesive synergism seems at least impossibly remote. On the other side of the equation, we have Huey Newton's concept of black communes set well within the huge population centers of the enemy state. This concept accepts any level of violence that will be necessary to enforce the demands of people and workers. These communes will be tied to one another by a national and international vanguard party and join with the world's other revolutionary societies. They are the obvious answer to all the theoretical and practical questions and problems about an American revolution, a revolution that will be carried out principally by blacks. The question I've asked myself over the years runs this way. Who has done the most dying, most of the work? Most of the time in prison on Max Row. Who was the hindmost in every aspect of social, political, and economic life? Who has the least short-term interest or no interest at all in survival of the present state? In this condition, how could we believe in the possibility of a generation of enlightened fascists who will dismantle the basis of their hierarchy? Oh, can we say it again? Can we say it again? I want it to be said again. In this condition, because all the questions to this is black indigenous. In this condition, how could we believe in the possibility of a new generation of enlightened fascists who would dismantle the basis of their hierarchy? Because that's, 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 we're still, I ain't even get the words. Folks still saying it. Oh, yes, yes, we, we ain't need no violence. The, 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 the marketplace of ideas. Just vote it in. Just, the government eventually, America will let us be equal. The, the country that was never built on equality, the, the country that was built on genocide will one day let us not be a genocidal, unequal state. The one who literally, that's how they make money, off the inequality, will one day allow us to be equal. I understand. It sometimes you just don't want to go there. A lot of people, you know, we get stressed out enough by life, jobs. You don't want to go there mentally. It's like an existential crisis. That there that just ain't going to happen. But just because you don't want to go there don't mean it ain't the truth. That's never going to happen. The people in charge will never let that happen. So then, what is the only option? We talked about this. That's it. That's all we get. Just how many Americans are willing to accept the physical destruction of some parts of their fatherland so that the rest of the land and the world might survive in good health? None. A small percentage. When you talk about land back, giving the indigenous people this doggone land back, the white folks that lost, they, they about lose their minds. They can't even fathom because, again, they think after all this stuff happens, shit's still going to be sweet. And shit's still going to be the way that it is. It's just going to be a little bit better. It's going to be America 2.0, but just a little bit more equal. A little bit less work. Nope. 
No, but you're going to understand what it's like to really be equal. You're, you're going to understand what it's like to be on the same playing field as everybody else. And one thing is you don't get to decide the, the, the way that everybody else is going to live their life. And if this is the way that the masses decide that, that we going to do stuff the right way, is this the way we're going to do it? You ain't got no say. I'm sorry. But people aren't willing, especially people that's been in power their entire lives, even if it's not economic power, just as your state, as your being, as a person. They don't even know. They, they're really not ready. They're not ready. Because they'll get on Twitter and throw a hissy fit over a theoretical. We're not even there. Nobody's out there with a gun right now telling you to get out your house. But you are literally about to have a panic attack. No. They, these folks ain't ready. <sighs> How can the black industrial worker be induced to carry out a valid workers' revolutionary policy? What and who will guide him? The commune. The central citywide revolutionary culture. But who will bind the commune that will guide the people into a significant challenge to property rights? Carving out a commune in the central city will involve claiming certain rights to our own, out front. Rights that have not been respected to now. Property rights. It will involve building a political, social, and economic infrastructure capable of fulfilling the vacuum that has been left by the establishment ruling class and pushing the occupying forces of the enemy culture from our mindsets, from our midst. The implementation of this new social, political, and economic program will feed and comfort all the people on at least a subsistence level. And force the owners of the enemy bourgeois culture either to tie their whole fortunes to the communes and the people or leave the land, the tools, and the market behind. If he will not leave voluntarily, he will ex we will expel him. We will use the shotgun and the anti-tank rocket launcher. <laughs> Who will build on an ideal that begins with force? The Vanguard Party is now nationwide. But Vanguard parties cannot build revolutions alone. Nor can a vanguard party expect full party-line agreement before it moves in the direction of the people. Revolution is illegal. It's against the law. It's prohibited. It will not be allowed. It is clear that the revolutionary is a lawless man. The outlaw and the lumpen will make the revolution. The people, the workers, will adopt it. This must be the new order of things after the fact of the modern industrial fascist state. In blacks, the authoritarian traits are mainly the effects of terrorism and lack of intellectual stimulation. The communal experience will redeem them. At present, the black worker is simply choosing the less dangerous and complicated strategy of survival. All classes and all people are subjective to the authoritarian syndrome. It is an atavistic throwback to the herd instincts. But it requires only the proper trauma, the proper eco-sociological set of circumstances, pressure, circumstantial pressures to bring forth a revolutionary consciousness. Racism enters on the psychosocial level in the form of a morbid traditional fear of both blacks and revolutions. The resentment of blacks and conscious or unconscious tendencies to met out pain to blacks throughout the history of American slave system all came into focus when blacks began to move from south to north and from countryside to city to compete with whites in industrial sectors and, in general, engage in status competition. Resentment, fear, insecurity, and the usual isolation that is patterned into every modern capitalist industrial society 
The more complex the products, the greater the division of labor. The higher the pyramid, the broader its base, and the smaller the individual brick tends to feel. I multiply by 10 when racism, race antagonism is also a factor. There is certainly no lack of evidence to prove that the existence of an old and built-in character assassination of programmed racism, what class controls the nation's educational facilities, prints, the newspapers, the magazines that carry the little cartoons and omits or misrepresents us to death, has always served to distract and diffuse feelings of status deprivation suffered by the huge sectors just above the black one. Then also to account for the seemingly dual nature recognizable in the authoritarian personality. Conformity, but also a strange latent destructiveness. Racism has always been employed as a pressure release for the psychopathic destructiveness invented by a people historically possessed to fear. To feel the need for a decision maker to hate freedom. The revolution is outlawed. The black revolutionary is a doomed man. All of the forces of counter-revolution stack up over his head. He's standing in the tank trap he has dug. He lives in the crosshairs. No one can understand the feeling but himself. Quote, from the beginning of his revolutionary consciousness, he must use every device to stay alive. Violence is a forced issue. It's incumbent on him. The very first political programs have had to defend with duels to the death. The children's breakfast program haven't been spared. The next round of commune building could cause the third great war of the century. We must build with the fingers of one hand wrapped around a gun. We cannot leave the central city. This must be understood by the other revolutionary people if we are to move together in conclusive action. The war will be fought in the nerve cities of the nation. The city where Angela was finally captured as she was at work for the revolution. Where Huey was found hiding and working by the government's propaganda apparatus. We cannot withdraw from the cities in order to complete, complete with revolutionary syllogism. The fascists must be forced to withdraw. And under cover of the guns which force their withdrawal, we will build the new black communes. A blade in the throat of fascism. I like how he talks about racism um, pretty much being a capitalist tool that we talked all about, that we talk about, that is, is greatly beneficial to the capitalist to impose and to uh, continue to drill into, especially the working class, the working class whites, in order to keep them in line. I think about this. After the Civil War, when all of the South was ravaged and destroyed, pretty much, there was poor white people before during slavery. So, and when they had, if they had nothing then, they definitely didn't have nothing after that war. But slave owners were paid reparations after they let the slaves free. What did the poor whites get? Not a damn thing. Not a damn thing. And when the Industrial Revolution came, finally to the South after years and years and years, who were they looking at? The blacks. Somehow this is your fault, black person. Actually, somehow it is your fault that you wanted to be free because now I can't get a job as an overseer. It is your fault. And even the whites in the North, it is your fault, black person. 
that this horrible, terrible job that I have to work anyway is paying me less. Because you can only, you're getting paid less than everybody. And that's making everybody else's wages go down. So instead of thinking, who is controlling? Who is making the decisions? I'm going to put it all on the person who has nothing to do with anything. Does that sound familiar? The illegal immigrants are taking our jobs. The illegal immigrants, that's why I don't have a job, that's why I can't get paid nothing. Is somebody putting a gun to these employers' head when these folk come up here and ask for a job? Ain't nobody making them. Ain't nobody making them hire these people. Ain't nobody making them pay them. Making them pay poverty wages to these people. Look at them, but they scared. That's the thing. They scared. We've been beat into submission. We've all, again, cooks of capitalism. We don't want to look up at the dude, at the boss man. We don't want to look up at him and say nothing. That man come over there, you, are, you getting ready to get on your knees and do what you do. Somebody who, like, who just popped up in the building, it's your fault. It's your fault that my boss is. You know what that reminds me of? And that's how all this stuff is related to capitalism and white supremacy. That's like the, the, the daddy treating the mama wrong, beating on the mama. The child just pops up and is just being a kid, just existing. And then instead of the mama rising up to that man and saying, you're not going to put your hands on me, I'm going to whoop your ass, yada, yada. The child does anything and, and the mama getting ready to beat that ass. Because that's another form, that that's another system of oppression that helps feed into capitalism. This, the childism, if that's what we're going to call it. The way that we treat children. The way that we literally treat them like a piece of property. Because for some people, that's the only power they will ever have in their entire life. That's the only power they will ever have in their entire life. Traumatizing the child. Bringing a human being into this world and being able to control every single aspect of that child until the child eventually don't want them more. And that's why. It, 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 there's just so much that goes into it. America's like, yes, have children, have children, have workers. Yes, we need workers, we need children, stay in poverty. You can stay working at these factories, yada, yada. You can treat them children however you want. To an extent, just don't let us hear about it. Hear about it. You can you can belittle the child. You can oppress the child. You can treat the child how we treat how we treat you at the job. All that stuff. Great. We love it. Amazing. Wonderful. And the parents fall in line because it gives them it gives them something. It gives them something. I, I my boss was 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 uh, talking to me in the old kind of way. I'm finna get on your ass, child. I'm finna get on your ass, woman. And that's what America loves. America loves it. America needs it. That's why any threat to that. Children having rights? What? Uh-uh. Women? Really, truly being equal in society? Socially? Oh, oh no. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Because who else are men going to have as an avenue to let out all their frustration with the boss? Because I know for a fact they ain't coming to me to whoop my ass. They need an ass to whoop. <laughs> it's not funny, but it's true. Homophobia. These straight people are sick. I mean, they're sick, but they're sick. Have you sat down, uh, if you're not straight, and heterosexuals, whatever, uh, and listened to them talk about marriage, talk about relationships, talk about each other? 
I just be sitting there, my my eyebrows all frilled up, frowned up. I just be trying to understand. And and then when when some of them talk about like, you know, I had these feelings, but I didn't work, I didn't act on them, and I may want to dress like this sometimes. I may not want to wear makeup sometimes, but I just don't know. I I may want to paint my nails one of these days, but I just I just don't know. You feel like society is telling you what to do. You feel confined. You feel oppressed. You feel stuck. You see a group of people who are saying, at least in this avenue, I'm not going to let the default tell me what for. I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to dress how I want to dress. I'm going to like who I want to like. I'm going to love who I want to love. I'm going to go to the, the club and dance how I want to dance. And you hate it. You hate it because you playing the game. And anybody that's not playing the game... It's an attack. You want them to suffer like you suffering. And instead of you punching up at the system being like, why? what does this have to do with you? Why can't I live my life the way I want to? Why can't I work the way where I want to? Why can't I wear the clothes the way I want to? Why can't I get married to who I want to? Yada, yada. I'm not finna punch up. I'm finna punch at you. Because why not? No power. And that's beautiful. The capitalist clap. The capitalists love it. Why is all this anti-trans stuff coming up, drag show bills and stuff? There's nothing else. Stuff is bad economically. Stuff is horrible. And Democrats and Republicans realize the only way we're going to get these people to the polls, left or right, is if we start. Digging into that fascism again. Uh, 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 oh, oh no. Uh, uh, it ain't my fault. Uh, the gays. Look at the gays. Ooh, drag show. Folks aren't even thinking about a drag show. Folks aren't even thinking about none of this type of stuff. Go look at your bank account. Go look at that receipt at the grocery store. But again, that's, that's what all this stuff is about. And that's what George Jackson pretty much was talking about. When issues and stuff come up, people are starting to get upset. Capitalism. It's doing what it do, but it's but it's not keeping us quiet enough. They got to ramp something up. And at this point, America's like, yeah, we ain't giving you no more social safety nets. We ain't raising none. Forget that economically. Fuck you. We're just going to dig into the, the, that bigotry some more. And that's just how it's going to go. And you think that's going to be voted out? Why? That's more votes for the, the, the Democrats, too. You scare everybody and say, oh, look at what the Republicans want to do. Don't raise a finger. Don't go out of your way to use your power to do anything about it. No, I'm not doing that. Because how else am I going to get you to the polls? Yes, be scared. Come vote. Same with the Republicans. Yeah, I'm not going to do nothing about these economics. I'm not going to make sure you and your family have food on the table. Fuck that. You should be scared of these gays. And that's literally the American story. Since the beginning of time. And people continue to fall for it. Because it's America's bread and butter. As I said. So. Yeah. I didn't mean for this episode to go off this long. But. You know I really enjoyed this. I hope y'all did as well. Uh, any comments. Concerns. You can leave it in the, the YouTube <laughs> comments. Or hit us up on all social medias. At Building Guard PWR. If you have any thoughts. You would like to share. Um, yes, link in the description for any way you'd like to donate, contribute, all that good stuff. Um, this has been Gabby, and this has been Building Our Power.